Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. Law. Got Lavender Gooms here with me. Hey. Got DJ Mark here with me. What's up? Our boy, uh, our boy Kid Presentable is actually at the Warrior game, um, which kicks off in about 45 minutes or so. So if we lose, we know exactly who to blame. It's not going to be the bum-ass Spurs. Um, sorry. They're a very fine organization. Not good right now, though. Um, all right. on this uh, On this episode, kids, we're going to talk about... Um, the results from this past Saturday's uh, Justin Gaethje's the most entertaining fighter in the world card. Doesn't that wasn't a real name? That's just my thoughts. Um, the Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier uh, fight card, which really was just a good time. Um, specifically on the main card, um, we're gonna talk about that. Um, we're gonna talk about the uh, the lightweight title picture with uh, coming out of Poirier's uh, big victory here. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out what the hell's going on here because that man was a title shot and he may not be wrong. So, talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what the hell the UFC is planning for Chicago. Um, this card is bonkers to the point that I'm not really sure how some of these fights aren't on pay-per-view. Uh, there's also another fight card this week because the UFC likes to do uh, bombard us with fight cards. We're going to make some picks for this uh, Edson Barbosa-Kevin Lee fight along with old man Frankie Edgar returning to the cage way too soon. Um, and then we promised you a grim memoirs of a fight fan and we aim to deliver there. <laughs> like Stefan created Stefan created this thing and then Stefan's like not here for it. So <laughs> But he told the, us the, who he would pick and it was like it's the worst of the worst, probably. Yeah, that, that was what I was gonna say. I'm like, well that one wins. Um spoiler alert, it involves an Austin Powers character. Um and then uh Obi Haven, Jesus Christ, that was grim. The more you can't even joke about it, it's so bad. Do you know he did that shit before Austin Powers too? He just didn't get caught. He wasn't convicted yet, yeah. No, no, he wasn't even arrested yet. He hasn't been arrested yet. They don't even know, yeah. They don't even know yet. Um, He can throw a hell of a shoot. uh, We're talking about Joson, and we're going to get into that. But for now, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje. um, Marcus, I told you this this, uh, today when we were at work, that there was a point in the third round where I just, like, threw my hands up and said, this rules. Um... Yeah, fairly People common so, with Justin Gaethje. Yeah, Justin. I mean, Justin Gaethje's going to have his own fight of the year category, and everybody else is going to be in a different one, right? Because how are we going to top this shit? <laughs> what I what I find so interesting about at least the aftermath of this fight is that everyone's talking about Justin Gaethje. He still lost the fight, but like most of the conversation I'm hearing about is just like, man, that Justin Gaethje fight. I was like, Poirier won that one. Like, there's, I, I, I mean, not that Justin doesn't deserve, you know, the sky and the moon for the performances he gives us, but I feel like Dustin is kind of getting like the short end of the straw for having a really good, solid performance and getting a big, much needed win for him. I feel like his part of the conversation is not being talked about, but you know, that's what we're here. We're here for. We're gonna put a well, Marcus. On. I think um, I want to get the exact wording right before you get into the analysis, um, because Luke Thomas had a way of describing what that fight was. And I think his wording was actually um, pretty apropos as I kill time as I try to find what the fuck this man said. Uh, God damn. Okay. What the fuck? Help me out. Help me out, internet. This is... The sad part is we plan... I thought in advance about talking about this. 
Um, all right, I fucking give up. He pretty much, but it was pretty much he said it was just a, like an honor to watch these two guys fight the way they did. Like they kind of sure. just gave they gave themselves to us for our entertainment. Took time off their fighting career for sure. Their lives possibly with that fucking car wreck that we saw, right? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I guess we'll kind of break down the fight before we get into kind of the the aftermath of it and my overall analysis of, of of both athletes here. But yeah, what we saw, I mean, we not surprisingly, right? We all knew this was going to be a barn burner uh, going into it, but uh, how it actually unfolded, I guess, wasn't also too you know too surprising because I mean, we saw Justin kind of lean on the tools that we saw him utilize pretty effectively against Eddie Alvarez, where. Um, his game plan was really utilizing uh, low kicks, especially the inside low kicks. Since Dustin Poirier is a southpaw, you know that's the um, his back leg is going to be hitting the inside of uh, Dustin's front uh, right leg. So um, yeah, it was really. I mean, to, to break down the fight, really, it was first round. Dustin came out really strong, throwing a lot of heavy punches with really high output. And I think after that first round, I thought Dustin won that first round. I think he landed the, the better shots and the harder shots. But the main question was, like, can this guy keep up this pace? Because he really put on a blistering pace. And that's not to say, you know, Justin wasn't in that first round. He was throwing back, um, you know, almost as much. But Dustin just got, you know, Poirier just got the better, you know, cleaner strikes in that one. I think he handily took the first round. And the second and third is really where uh, the low kicks started to come in t- into factor a little bit more. Justin throwing them a lot more efficiently. And I think the thing that you kind of have to notice throughout the fight and kind of what makes Justin – an interesting fighter to watch, but ultimately led to his downfall in this fight is that he doesn't really react like a lot of other fighters would. Um, You know, one of my main criticisms with uh, fighters getting low kicked is that they need to respond some way to those low kicks, whether it's checking the kick, shooting off the kick or countering off the kick. Dustin Poirier was trying to counter off the kick with his left straight, which is ultimately what won him the fight. Usually what happens with fighters is when you don't set up your low kicks and the guys countering with a left straight. Most fighters get a little bit hesitant to just throw out the, the low kick by itself without, you know, properly setting it up first. So there there's less chance of getting countered, but with Justin, the dude just don't give a shit, right? Like he really doesn't care about getting fired back on. And I think some of the criticisms you could have with Justin is that one, obviously I think the big one in the, in the booth kind of talked about it after the fight doesn't lean on his wrestling at all, especially when he's hurt. Um, in the in the fourth round where he came out early in the fight uh, with another low kick but got countered hard with a left straight. He basically walked in a little too much into Dustin's pocket when he threw that left low kick. And the counter um, left straight landed flush and really put him on uh, wobbled feet. And and that's really where, you know, the your high-class caliber championship caliber guys are going to utilize wrestling. They're going to clinch up. They're going to try to recover. And that's just not Justin's game, which I think is – leading to some of these opportunities where he's getting exposed, getting hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before you get farther into it, Mike, I want to ask you a quick question. Did you know the answer? Or did you know who won going into this? I did. Okay. Because I was watching this fight, and you're, you're working from the point of hindsight when you're watching it today, but Marcus, I'll go back to you on this. When I was watching it pretty much the entire time until the fourth round when he got, you know, clipped, I was pretty sure Justin Gaethje was going to find a way to pull this off because it just kind of felt like this was going exactly how he had planned almost, right? 
Yeah, it, it's tough because I did have to watch this later. I did know the results. So. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. <laughs> but, but I think going into it, yeah, I mean, the tables were turning, right? Dustin had a strong first round. He landed the better shots. But I think Gaethje definitely got the uh, second round and would have got the third, right? There was We need to touch upon this. There was a couple eye pokes from uh, Gaethje that ultimately led to a point uh, deduction in the third round. And I think, Bobby, you and me kind of had the, the scorecard of the same. Basically... Uh, Poirier winning that first round, uh, Gaethje winning the next two, but the third round with the eye poke negating that win. So basically at a draw, right, when we go into this fourth round, we're um, very early uh, in the round. Uh, Justin throws a low kick, gets countered, doesn't clinch up, doesn't shoot, just tries to cover up, and it just basically allows Poirier to tee off on him and, and get some strikes through the guard. So, uh, I mean, really, my, my ultimate criticism here, and I think – I love, we all love Gaethje at this point, right? Like, he's just a fighter's fighter. He's giving us these, you know, fight of the year candidates each year. Um, and and you, you can't really besmirk that. At the same time, though, you know, it, for his own well-being and for the longevity of his career and his success, you kind of want to see him evolve a little bit. And I say that in the same in the same breath. Like, I don't want him to evolve, right? I like the guy he is now. Even in losing, like we talked about at the beginning of this fight, he's still a big part of that conversation. We don't talk about the losers of fights as much as we have talked about Justin yeah. this one because he's putting on these performances. Yeah, Marcus. Um, it's a real double-edged sword there because you have like, I mean, because like we come from this, we try to be mindful because we always talk about how much we want the fighters to get paid more and all these things. And a lot of the things we want for the fighters may not be necessarily best for us as a fan. And Justin Gaethje fighting a much smarter style may not be best for us as fans. I mean, uh, Mike, I'm going to turn to you on this a little bit because Justin Gaethje said something like after the fight where he said he has like five fights left, like he recognizes the way he fights. And I'm not sure why. I mean, maybe because he said it and it seems like he's going in eyes open with what he's doing. It kind of reminded me of how like Richard Sherman, the football player. I know you know he's a football player, but those people don't know. Newly minted 49er, but uh, mostly known as a Seattle Seahawk. Richard Sherman said talks about concussions. And he's a really smart guy. He went to Stanford. And Richard Sherman's like, I'm fully aware of what I'm doing and the risk I'm taking. And it's a risk I'm willing to take to make, you know, to achieve what I want to achieve. I kind of am in my head thinking the same thing with Justin Gaethje, where Justin Gaethje's in his head like, I'm going to fight like this. I know it's not going to be a while. And I'm almost okay with it. Do you understand where I'm coming from? <laughs> I do. And one thing I was thinking about when I was watching the fight, just seeing him accumulate so many uh, headshots and those weren't little patty patty cake shots either, is I was thinking, is his financial plan that he's just going to rack up as many fight of the night bonuses as possible? Because I don't see how this is a game plan to win a championship and I don't see how this is a game plan to actually fight for a long time. And hearing that he thinks he's only going to have five fights left. Uh, I almost think that's even stupider than that. You could go in there with your eyes, just that wide open. And you intelligently think I will take all of this brain damage. That sounds just so stupid to me. If he actually is being that smart about it. That's a fair point. I mean, we don't, I mean, he's him. He's his own guy. He's eight. He was 18 and oh, he's 18 and two in the UFC, but you almost feel like he hasn't lost stock in any regard. Uh, Marcus, um, did you have more on the fight itself before we get into exactly what the hell's going on at 155 pounds? Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think it's just really, I think when you look at this fight, 
a, a lot of the spotlight like we talked about is on Gaethje. Um, and I think that's where a lot of my criticisms and stuff I, I would like to see out of him, right? Because I, I've listened to some people talk about his fight with Eddie, and I'm sure the conversation's kind of the same here. And it's just like, from our perspective as a fan that just wants, you know, fun, action-packed fights. And and also to your point, Bobby, like he's only lost two fights. So this form this formula that he's been working with, where he just goes out there and gets some brawls, it's been working for the majority of his career. It's just in these last two fights where he's running up against it. And ultimately, he could make small improvements to still be an exciting, an exciting, engaging fighter that puts on these, you know, fight of the year fights, but can negate some of the damage he takes, right? And a lot of it is dude is really just okay sitting in the pocket and just covering up. And that's his biggest problem. The dude has no, he has no head movement. He has no footwork to get out of there. He basically engages and then he'll let you take, I mean, you saw in this fight, Dustin will get off five, six shots in a row without a counter punch, without hardly any movement. He basically just absorbs these fights. And to his credit, he does a pretty good job covering up because dudes are blasting at him. Eddie's blasting at his head. And for the most part, he's able to absorb a lot of these punches on his arms. But what's so cool about, MMA is that it's constantly evolving and we're seeing the evolution right now with the stand-up. When you look at the lower weight classes like Mighty Mouse, DJ, Cody, Dominic, you can see how head movement and foot movement doesn't necessarily have to be something to negate and be totally defensive. When you look at guys like TJ and Mighty Mouse, they switch stances, they use their head and foot movement not only to disengage, but to reposition themselves extremely quickly in the pocket and counter back. And Gage is just kind of cool with, I'm just going to, I'm going to cover up, let this dude take five blasts at me, and maybe I'll throw one at the end. Maybe I'll start the next exchange by getting off first. But really, there's there's small things he can do in his game to become a better fighter. Whether he does it or not, it's that double-edged sword that we talked about, right? Like, if he just wants to have brawls, it's going to shorten his longevity. It's going to shorten his career. But as far as, like, it, 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 my personality with what I like about fighters is I like this mentality. Like, this dude is just going out there to put on wars and entertain me. Most fighters don't do that because they have self-preservation, right? They want not to get beat up and get knocked the fuck out. But Gaethje's just a different cat, and it seems foolish. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. If I was a fighter, I wouldn't engage in those kind of firefights. I wouldn't have the game plan that that's how He gonna... looks like he loves it. Yeah, he does. And, and and that's why it seems like he might not change, right? And it seems like why his corner doesn't really push a lot of the, like, you know what? Maybe when dude's blasting on you with eight shots, shoot a fucking double leg because dude's not expecting it. Or even even just fake a double leg. Put it out there in, in, the, in the atmosphere that I might fucking shoot on you because Dustin Poirier, the non-wrestler in this one, shot multiple times, even got Gaethje down for like half a second. And just having that mind, and just having that kind of, area to work around in is like not only am i going to punch and kick and knee but i might shoot on you too it just gives the other guy more stuff to think about and your feints become more deadly if the guy's thinking like oh i might need to sprawl here and you get him to bite on a sprawl and you fucking uppercut the dude you know these are just other ways to get your shots to work in. and gage just doesn't seem interested in, in implementing those kind of uh strategies i mean he's also would i mean it, would he's it be a... the worst thing if um his corn corner reminded him that he was once an all-american wrestler that was gonna say i i just don't think he cares also, uh, he was – I just don't think he gives a fuck. Also, the, for him to turn that on after he got clipped, I felt – of all the things they were breaking down, like his – I mean, part of that is just instinct where you just get mollywopped. Let me – you know, he's on – you know, he's just on skates. Maybe he's not thinking right. That may not be the time to think, 
he's going to fall back on his wrestling. But throughout the fight, there's a couple moments where I'm like, Dustin Poirier is not that hard to take down. Like, you can do it. It's I, I believe you can do it. did not shoot once. There was no shot. And, and, and you're right, Bob. And I think that's just part of his training. Like, he was an all-state wrestler, right? Who knows where his fucking wrestling is now? I mean, he was all-American. He's all-American. Yeah, I mean, but still, like, I, I haven't seen a ton of his fights. I've never seen him shot. Like, is this – and obviously his instincts – I mean, I think a lot of times when dudes get cracked, they revert back to what they're most comfortable with, which for wrestlers is shooting a double – getting clinched up. I mean, to survive getting rocked, you need to do that, right? That's how fucking Alistair Overeem gets knocked out all the time. The dude takes a shot. He doesn't clinch up. He just he just covers up, and he just hopes to weather the storm, and that's not how you survive when you're hurt, right? You got to do the Fedor when he gets cracked with uh, Fujita. You got, you're on fish legs. Grab that motherfucker. Hold on to him for a second. Clear your head, and then get back into it. Take a second for yourself, but it's just, it's just not, it, like you said, it's just not in Gaethje's DNA at this point. Um, and, and is it going to be? I don't think so. It doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like he cares, right? Like you said, Bob, it doesn't seem like his corner, the fighter himself is really all that interested in ground fighting. So maybe he'll, you know, maybe he'll just continue to do this. Hopefully he gets a fight where he'll be able, I mean, because it seems like against the top echelon kind of strikers, he tends to struggle with a little bit because they can tend to absorb his punishment but it's yeah like, he's got he's got a real murder. he's got a real murderers are always been facing apologize for cutting you off but he's got a, he's been facing like look at the way he's faced so far i mean michael johnson's a very good fighter then fucking eddie alvarez was a champion dustin poirier has been one win away from a championship for seven years most of his like, career yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah so, i mean okay. i think at, at this point um it'll be interesting to see where they put who they put in front of um gaethje next and it's kind of like like we talked about in the last couple weeks when I saw Bendo after the uh, who did he fight? Oh, I'm blanking on that dude's name from uh, Bellator, Chandler. Where Chandler? Yeah, and I and I you know I, and I I am that kind of fan that like even in a losing effort you go out there you put your fucking balls on the line and throw down like you got a fan in me and and Justin I feel for myself and the vast majority of the MMA community are fans of his now, uh, and and that's worth a lot. But you know. I also loved Gary Goodridge, you know, and now dude's got brain trauma. Sometimes you got to think a little bit more about not just pleasing the fans, but how your choices now are going to affect you long term, right? And, and, and ultimately, what we don't want to see, right? Because we all love the dude, is to see this dude not have his faculties when he's in his late forties. You know, I want I want a clear headed just, Justin Gaethje so he can come back on our podcast and be like, "Remember those wars I had, guys?" And be like, "Yeah," and we're glad that you're here to talk to us about it, you know, and you're not in a coma or you can't speak, you know, coherently. So I you know what, man? we don't hope for. I mean, let's move on. By the way, we've had, we've been uh, talking for about 19 minutes. I feel 17 of them were about Justin Gaethje and he didn't win. And pretty much most of what we said was positive. So that's Justin Gaethje for you. As Mark put it, he's getting all the attention from this anyway. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the lightweight part of title picture now, because it's quite frankly, pretty relevant given who won this fight. Um, Dustin Poirier won this fight. Dustin Poirier, um, I'm trying to find what kind of what kind of run he's on, but let's. Well, uh, he, as far as I'm concerned, he beat Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, I saw that fight. I thought he beat Eddie Alvarez. So like, he's got a four fight unbeaten streak, for lack of a better term. Better term. He's only lost one fight since 2014, and that was to Michael Johnson. And Michael Johnson just got him right on the chin, minute and a half into the fight. Um, this is the current lightweight title picture, and Mike, I'm coming to you to see what you think, what we should do with this, because. We got Khabib, at not a champion. I'm looking at their rankings. Conor McGregor is ranked number one, but, you know. Um, 
Tony Ferguson has a gnarly fucking scar on his leg, if anybody saw that shit, from surgery. Don't know how long he's out. Eddie Alvarez um, wants to fight Khabib. Edson Barboza is fighting Kevin Lee this weekend. Dustin Poirier just won. Justin Gaethje just lost. Kevin Lee just uh, is fighting Edson Barboza this weekend. They're both coming off of a loss, I believe. I believe Edson got beat by Khabib. And yep. um, Kevin Lee hasn't fought since Tony Ferguson beat him, right? Yep, you got it. Uh, so these are our contenders for a title fight. It's worth mentioning, um, I think Ramadan soon or something, or I don't know. Something's going on. Khabib has got to be got a fight like in September or something, or maybe okay. later. Uh, who do you like, Mike, as the next contender? And at what point do you throw your hands up and say, "Ah, eh, Khabib wants to fight GSP. He can fight GSP." <laughs> well, who I like as a as the next contender, and who I think is going to be going to be two different things. So, who I would like, obviously, is Connor. But let's just get that one out of the way because now that he's not champion, he's probably not going to fight Habib because I don't think he wants to fight Habib. Uh, I don't think it'll be Eddie Alvarez. And I think it's going to be between either Dustin Poirier or Kevin Lee if he wins uh, next week. You think off of one win, they give it to Kevin Lee? I think off of one win because this is how they can sell it. Um, he was a championship contender because he did fight for the interim but title. And they can also spin it as, you know, he uh, he fought like a warrior, even though he had a gnarly uh, staph infection growing on his titty. And uh, he still serviced himself well. So let's see what he could do, uh, you know, at 100%. You know, coming off of, I would assume, if it happens, a spectacular win against Edson Barbosa. Uh, and obviously, Dustin Poirier looked great. So I think it'll be between those two. Um, even if there's, let's say, a lot of damage or if there's a war that goes on in uh, the Barbosa-Lee fight. As you mentioned, uh, Habib is going into Ramadan. So he'll be fasting and he won't be able to fight uh, anytime between June and July. So he'll probably be targeting the September or October date. So that's more than enough time, even if uh, there's an extensive and exhaustive fight this uh, this weekend, that uh, the winner of that, well, namely uh, Kevin Lee, they could get the next title shot. Um, I think it'll be between those two. I like, me personally, I think after watching Khabib fight, I mean, I want to see Tony. I think that'd be a great matchup. I just don't know how hurt Tony is and whether they can book that that soon. Eddie Alvarez is interesting to me as a matchup. I don't know how many wins Eddie Alvarez has right now. Is he coming off of the Gaethje one? I think Is that so. the last yeah, one? That's his last one. And, and before that, he uh, to Dustin Poirier. Yep. You know who's going to be real angry if Eddie Alvarez gets a title shot? Oh, Dustin, of course. Dustin Poirier is going to be so pissed. Uh, yeah, I... Dustin Poirier said some shit where, like, he wants to win the belt just so he can... He says, I just want to be able to turn to my wife and say I did it. And I heard that, and I'm like, man, I want you to be able to turn to your wife and say you did it, too. I don't know if you could be Khabib. Um, yeah, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer in this. I like Mike. I'm picking Kevin Lee. Pro I, mean, I Pretty clearly, Mike's picking Kevin Lee is what it sounds like. When we get to those picks, but I believe Kevin Lee's going to win. Also, I don't think they're going to give it to anybody off of one win, except maybe I think Eddie Alvarez got a new contract. So I don't know. Maybe he's just real expensive and they got to get him a shot just because to justify the cost. I'm pretty sure Eddie Alvarez is on a, either the last fight of his deal or he just got a new contract. I, I'm not going to be surprised when it's GSP. 
as dumb as that sounds, because Khabib wants it. And can he, if can he make 155, GSP can do whatever he wants. He's going to win all the belts. He's no, coming he for uh, 155, though. It'd have to be at 70, right? I think he can make one. He says he, he said he was easier for him one day. Used to ask him to fight Anderson. He thought he could. He'd have an easier time making 155 than putting muscle on and weight on because he said a lot of his look is just like he just lift weights. It was just for cosmetic reasons, reasons, just for like marketing. Like he didn't view it as anything that really was like. He's pretty much just trying to look yoked just to get you know to I'm get the ladies. As fuck, this dude's gonna make one fifty five. I mean, I was suspicious as fuck he was gonna win the middleweight championship after not fighting for four years. I mean, five years, five I, years. Uh, to, to be completely honest, when you talk about him and GSP, I didn't even fathom him making. Well, but he talked about it, and like GSP was kind of hinting at it, and like, okay, I'm just saying if it ends up ha- look, nothing makes sense anymore. To so be, to I, be fair. Him going to fifty five and winning the first person to win three different belts and three. Oh, that'd be fucking bananas! Fucking banana, that is. He, like, he, he honestly like right now. You could. T- I mean, just my opinion. If you ask, t- I mean, this is just me. My two cents. The greatest fighter of all time for me is George St. Pierre, possibly Mighty Mouse Johnson. Those are my two. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of guys have tested positive for stuff, and it's not about the steroids for me as much as like you just broke rules and. You there should be some consequence to you breaking rules. So yeah, I mean that's it, taking steroids makes it easier to recover, and dude never got popped. No, it's not even about the steroid thing. It's just like if you're just like a known rule breaker, there has to be some like consequence to that. Yeah, no, I think that's and you have to, you have to break the rules to achieve what you achieve means you're not necessarily as good. Hence why maybe you're not slotting in John Jones, right? Is yeah, or Anderson, like- or or John Jones and Anderson and Fedor is really what we're talking about here. Sure. Well, Fedor. Fedor, I don't he even know. Pop for anything? I mean, it doesn't matter. No, he's, but he he just you know was forty well, pounds of muscle heavier it, looking. Well, it's just like Anderson, right? Like they went on too long in their career, and now it's just hard to really consider them the best of all time when they have so many losses. Yeah. Ranked so up. back to the original point, like if GSP is already there for me, if GSP wants to fight Khabib and he beats Khabib, and my mind is blown on a level I didn't think that was even like mine. I know Michael Bisping wasn't the greatest champion, but GSP coming back after five years fighting a motherfucker who outweighs him by twenty five pounds. Uh, he I think was it, you know. He but he still he still did that shit. shit. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't Tim Sylvia, but still, like you know, Bisping's a little older and yada yada yada, you know. But anyway, I think if it's G- I I don't necessarily like it as the best option. I think Tony's. I mean, as Mike put it, Connor's not an option. Tony would be just the way Khabib fights. I think him and Tony. Everybody knows this. We've been talking about it for four years. It'd be wonderful. But here's yeah. here's why I say it wouldn't be GSP because if GSP can make one fifty five. Uncle Dane is going gonna want him to fight Connor. Good. Oh, I don't even think about it. He doesn't. He wants the one. GSP's one thing is he says like I don't. I don't think it's right for me to challenge a smaller man. But <laughs> whatever, <laughs> George. What George? I love George St. Pierre, man. I like. We if everybody was George St. Pierre, it'd be a better sport. Hey, like Connor <laughs> said, his checks are heavyweight, so won't be a problem. Yeah, I, I think the real travesty here is kind of what you guys touched on, like the fights we want to see probably aren't going to happen. And that sucks. Right. I want to see Connor and Habib. I want to see Tony and Habib. And it doesn't seem like we're going to get either of those fights. And to be honest, I eagle a, you know, a little uh, sneak peek at what's coming on later in the show. I kind of have Barboza beating Kevin Lee. Even if Kevin Lee beats Barboza, him and Habib does not get me excited. And I, you know, I've kind of been that Kevin Lee naysayer, but like having greatest grappler fight 
guy who's really good at grappling is just like, I know what's gonna happen. Here. Yeah, I mean, like, he's like, how, like, how's how's Kevin Lee gonna get on top of Khabib and do ground and pound he's like he normally not, does? That's the thing. Like, I love Kevin Lee. I, Kevin Lee, I thought was doing really, really well against Tony Ferguson until it looked like he just didn't have anything left after seven minutes, if I remember correctly. Like, I remember that fight clearly. Like the whole first round, he just was on top of Tony doing his thing. But right. yeah, I don't. I mean, so and then Barbosa fought Khabib though. But even like if, last fight. Yeah, it, even if poor uh, if they go with Dustin here because he, he just beat Gaethje and he fights Habib, like Habib's just gonna maul him too. Like the only guys I think could really stand a chance against Habib is Tony and Connor, and it just doesn't seem like those are in the cards. So kind of sucks, you know. It, it's cool you know that what? there's a backup of talent and there's a lot of interesting fights, but it's just like the dude at the top has such a interesting skill set that. You can't like a Dustin Poirier is just not going to get it done. He's really good at striking, but he's not good enough at grappling. And same thing with Kevin Lee in my mind. Like, dude has a lot of power, but they're going to get in a grappling exchange, and Habib's going to be all over this dude. I, I need to see someone that is like Connor. Dude can just smoke you in one shot, and he's going to have that opportunity with Habib because the stand up is just so basic and fundamental. And then, or you have Tony Ferguson, who's also just a killer standing up. But what I like about him too is his grappling. A uh, regiment is top tier, but also dude has a heart that does not give. So you pound on him for four rounds, he's going to be there in the fifth. Um, so those fights really interest me. And just Dustin and I mean, Kevin Lee just doesn't get me excited as much. But I think Habib we will went- beat those guys, and then we'll ultimately get to see the fights we want. He'll kind of work through the back, the back half, and get to the front half later on. Hey man, it's not uh, nothing wrong with a dominant champion. I mean, we had no. Anderson do his thing for years. We had GSP do his thing for but years. We had John John do his thing for years. It's nice to have like. There's fights out. I mean, look, we sat there for years being like, all right, Anderson is going to. I mean, I've, some people somehow thought Anderson was going to lose to Yushin Okami, but we all knew like Anderson's going to beat up Patrick Cote. All right, George St. Pierre is going to beat up Josh Koscheck. George, none of these people can beat these people, yeah, was our the, assumption. The only the wrinkle in that is that there's better guys in the division he hasn't fought yet, right? And this is why it becomes more like a Bisbing thing where he's fighting guys that are somewhat deserving, but there's guys that deserve it more that are more interesting fights that he's not going to be able to compete against, whether it's contract disputes with Connor or dudes injured like Tony. There's not really much the UFC can do about those things. Well, Connor, they could just throw a bunch of money at and make the fight happen. Well, I think Connor's bigger problem at this point might be, because it seemed like they were pretty close to getting him back in the cage. It might be the fact that he has got now he's got issues. a bunch of shit now. But By yeah. the way, the UFC's, the UFC's plan not to actually suspend him or anything and just stay real quiet and hope we all forget is interesting. Just putting that out there. So I mean, I, he's got to go through shit, right? He's he's gonna get sued and is man, the they suspended they suspended John Jones immediately when he did the hit and run. Like the next day, they pulled him from the fight and suspended him. Yeah, just saying. I mean, that was, like he was still in jail, suspended. <laughs> yeah, didn't they strip him of the title right away as well? Well, Connor got stripped a second. Connor got stripped too. That's he was he was that, already that, gonna get Connor that was, was already happening because it had been over five hundred days since he had defended. Yeah. Well, I mean, they probably shouldn't have helped him book a fight with a boxer. This is a real, like, Frankenstein situation, by the way. UFC holds a lot of responsibility. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about the rest of this card, Mike. We got a co-main event of um, this card. I'm talking about the one we started talking about half an hour ago. Uh, Carlos Condit, Alex Oliveira, Brazilian Cowboy taking his fight on short notice. We all picked him, right, I think, or did one of us not? I believe we all picked. I him. did. Yeah. No, 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 no. My, my, Mark, Mark did not. Mark was hanging on. No, you know what, man? Mark, Mark picked the one we all wanted to win because we've all been watching MMA long enough that we're like, we go into this fight thinking, man, Carlos Khan is one of those dudes. Don't tell me it's over, Mike. It looked like it's over. <laughs> I, I believe all of us uh, 
in our critique last week, even Mark, who picked Condit, thought he might be a little washed and a little out the door already. And I don't want to say he looked washed and he looked uninterested. Uh, Charles Oliveira is a very good fighter. He looked very... very Alex cool. Oliveira. I'm sorry. Alex Oliveira. Charles Oliveira is a Do Bronx. Uh, Alex Oliveira, he looked very smooth in, in the fight. He was very loose. Uh, he uh, tried some pretty crazy kicks in the in the first round and Conde he had his moment as well i mean he got a he got the choking at the end of that end of that first round and you know it looked like hey maybe this is going to be a pretty good fight and you know alex just uh, got him on the ground got him in side, side control and was able to slip behind him and get his back and uh you know it's sad when you realize and you can see it coming that a fighter is uh, kind of going out the door. And it looked like Condit still had the will, but it looks like the, the skill is starting to leave him a bit. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say the same thing. I think our conversation going into the fight, right, was that mentally Carlos wasn't really there anymore. And I didn't see him mentally not there in this fight. He just, like, physically couldn't keep up with uh, Alex Oliveira, which, I mean, to his credit, Oliveira is a huge welterweight, and you could see it in the in the ring. And I really liked Oliveira. looked really uh, light on his feet, too. He was kind of in a sideways stance, like karate stance. He was really light on his feet. Um, and then Carlos, you know, he seemed on the ground. He seemed capable, right? But ultimately, when they were in one of their grappling exchanges, he left his neck open, and Alex just snatched that shit up. I mean, real quick. And, you know, Carlos, he didn't wilt quickly either. Like, he got that choke in. It was – you can see it when they were standing up. It was tight. And once Alex got him to the ground, it was just a matter of time. So, I mean, it's just like you said, Mike. It The questions were before, like, mentally, is Carlos still here? And the sad fact is, like, yeah, it seems like he's still motivated to fight. But, like, physically, he couldn't keep up with this guy. And that's kind of more damning, right? Like, you can fix your mental problems and, and get better at firing off and just getting, you know – in that mindset to really explode and take risks and stuff. But when you physically just can't compete with your opponent, that's more damning in my eyes than just someone who is having a mental lapse. Right. That seemed like though, the matchup they gave him as a short notice, I know it was short notice. He probably so should have handled tougher. business. Yeah. It's just, if you want to book him with people like Diego Sanchez, he's his teammate is Diego Sanchez, but like Matt Brown or like, um, you know, diet Matt Brown and Tim means you want to book him in some bangers. If Carlos Condit still wants to do that, I, I I see he could still do that. But because I'm looking at his last three fights, Damian Maya is going to take your ass down. Neil Magny will do whatever. He'll take your ass down too. Alex, Alex Oliveira will take you down too. I'm, he Carlos Condit was never the greatest grappler in the world. And, I mean, Nick Diaz took him down and took his back within four seconds. I remember that. And I remember that because I remember the whole fight. I'm like, Nick, you should take him down. You could take his back. Oh, we're going to wait till the last minute? Sure. Uh, anyway. If you want to book Carlos Condit and just like bangers, like when he beat up Tiago Alves a couple years ago, if you want to book him with like whoever's, I mean, with Carl with uh, Matt Brown as Mark and uh, Mark mentioned also, um, Tim Means, we can do that still. I think he can still do that with guys like that, but you can't give him like I don't know how young Alex Oliveira is, but he's definitely going up. Like he's getting better still. We're still at the point where he's like. Mike Perry, another name that makes sense. Like, yeah. Oh, I Mike Perry asked for it too. Mike yeah. Perry said, like he you wants said, it. Bobby, you can make matchups that kind of work for Carlos, but obviously, at if this he point, wants that, 
yeah, strong grapplers are just kind of his kryptonite, and he just physically he couldn't compete with Oliveira. He's not going to be able to compete with Woodley. So if the dude's still interested in fighting, you know, match him up with those fights that everyone's going to win, right? The UFC is going to win because they're going to have a fun fight. Us as the fans are going to win. And Carlos and his opponent's going to win because either it's Carlos fighting a guy that he's going to be able to display well against or the guy fighting Carlos. Dude still has a name, right? Getting a win over uh, Carlos Khan, it still means something at this point. Yeah, every one of these fights we've mentioned could easily be the co-main event of a fight night. Oh, yeah, easy. Or a Fox card. You could put them on a main card of a pay-per-view probably or something like that. No problem. Carlos Condit is still a big deal, especially to people like us. Uh, man's just action-packed, barring that one fight, but... Hell, man, you want a belt in that fight. What are you going to do? And uh, so, I know this is going to sound a little weird, but considering that Alex Oliveira was a last-minute replacement with about 10 days uh, notice, but I almost thought it was a little unfair to Carlos Condit to go from a, you know, not off-the-charts athlete like uh, like Matt Brown and then throw in a – why do I keep saying Charles? Alex Oliveira, who seems like he's a physical specimen after this fight. Yeah. yeah, it was a yeah, ramp was up. A... All right, uh, we gotta we gotta pick up the pace a little bit here. We also got on this fight card uh, the return of Israel Adesanya, um, a man who uses the c word far more comfortably than I ever do. Because man, just says it a lot. I'm talking about uh, see you next to see you next Tuesday. Yeah, that, I didn't. He was dropping those on Fox. I well, I mean, no, no, not on Fox, but he's I don't know where he's. I mean, he's just like on Twitter, and he he called the judges that because the judges. This was a pretty clear two rounds to one decision, I thought, for people with eyes. Uh, he won the first two rounds. And then it, uh, in the third round, Marvin Vittori realized he's facing a kickboxer who might not be able to grapple. And he got him on the ground. And it was pretty clear Israel Adesanya didn't know what the fuck he was doing on the ground for most of that most of that um, time down there. It was kind of good, I felt, to have this kind of fight because we all got crazy hyped about Adesanya. There was a lot of hype on the internet about how good he was and next John Jones this, you know, shit like that. Um, which I feel it was... You give me a lanky black guy, you immediately compare him to John Jones, even though he's not a wrestler or anything. I'm going to assume some lazy... La- I'm not saying racism. I'm just saying laziness. Uh, but he didn't have the greatest performance. I thought he looked good, just real technical in the first two rounds, being obviously the better striker than Marvin Vittori. Um, he left a lot to be desired off his back. Uh, took him a while to even try to recover guard when he was on his back too. That was a bit of a bummer. Uh, but I, you know, for a guy who's 28, still won the fight. Marcus, I thought, you know, okay, let's go slow. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, like you said, this was a good pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, I think uh, Vitari did a lot of things well in this fight, but he was obviously when it came to the striking, he just didn't have the dynamic skill set that Israel had, right? Like the foot movement on Israel, the way he was using head movement and also switching stances. I think Vittori as a southpaw, he kind of gets the advantage on a lot of guys standing because he has a good lead left straight, which he utilized in this fight pretty well. But Israel would switch stances. He'd be southpaw with Marvin and he didn't really know what to do then. And yeah, you just saw the the skill level in those first two rounds in the standup was all Israel. But at the same time, we didn't really see a killer kickboxer, right? He didn't just slice this dude up and just like make him look like Anderson, uh, Chris Lehman. You know, he had to work. He got some good shots and he won the rounds, but he wasn't like he wasn't dominating. He wasn't completely just smoking this dude, putting a lot of pain on him. And then and then in the third round, we kind of saw like mm, this guy, his wrestling still not that great. And especially his jujitsu off his back. He doesn't have 
the skill sets to really, you know, be able to bounce back off his back. So yeah, I got to pump the brakes a little bit. This dude needs to go back to the gym and, you know, really work on his fundamentals of wrestling, getting underhooks in, learning how to climb himself back up, using the cage to get back up. But uh, he got some good ring time in here, right? He got to yeah, feel yeah. it out. He got some good. He got some good experience in there. And let's see where he goes from here. But yeah, calling him the next John Jones, I think he was saying was a disservice or something because he's not the next John Jones. He's the first Israel, you know. But let's be real, the the first Israel isn't as good as the next John Jones. So. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. We also had. I remember when, like, when uh, what's the name of the kid on Tough? Who is just a? He, he has all the tools. You're right, Hall. We were calling him next to Anderson Silva immediately. I'm just like, let's like wait a fucking second, man. He's knocking out, you know, Adam, whatever his name is. Like, you're right, Hall's a fine fighter too. We all probably sit here thinking he has a lot of untapped potential, but that's a whole that could be a whole fucking episode. Um, Mike, we opened this fight card with Michelle Waterson and Courtney Casey. Uh, did we all come on that? We all came out on the side of uh, Karate Hottie. We did, but I think every single one of us was just like. Uh, we're not so sure. Um, what stuck out to me, Mike, was that Michelle Waterson's goddamn small for this weight class. Yeah, she is. Uh, she was the former uh, Adam Weight champion in an Invicta, and for those of you that don't know, that's the 105 champion. So it's safe to say that her and probably Jessica Penne are the two smallest uh, straw weights that are in the UFC. That was another girl that originally fought. Have you ever Adam seen um? Uh, Danielle Taylor, that's the girl who's like 4'10", I feel almost. Like, she's just a really, like, she's always on these fight nights, but that's another girl where I'm just like, she looks like she weighs 105 pounds soaking wet. How is she hitting 115? Yeah, and those are definitely girls that would benefit from the inclusion of 105 division. Um, I think that's their more natural um, weight division. And uh, I think one thing we all thought last week was that Courtney Casey was going to come in much, much bigger than Michelle Watterson. And for sure she did in the octagon. It looked like she carried at least 10, maybe 15 pounds more than Michelle Watterson in there. And from what we saw in the fight, um, the first round, Courtney Casey, she dominated a good amount of it. She was getting a good amount of the stand-up and uh, was having good success in the clinch, I think. Mainly because Watterson wasn't exactly uh, using her lateral movement the way she should have. Uh, which is probably a pretty stupid idea against a girl that much bigger than you. Uh, but I think Watterson, I think for many of the judges, was able to steal the round right at the end when she got that takedown. I personally thought Courtney Casey should have still won that round. Uh, second round, I thought that Watterson won that one. And um, the third, she clearly lost that one as well. Um, but I think Courtney Casey's problem in this fight is that Michelle Watterson was able to get her down pretty regularly in the second round and in the third round. But instead of using, let's say, her leverage or her strength to get back up where she was having the biggest advantage, she kept trying to invoke her inner Diaz brother by trying to do a whole bunch of submissions off of her back. Well, and she got close. I mean, Michelle said one of those arm bars was real close to getting her. Yeah, there Not was good enough. There, but there close. was one arm bar in the second that was really close, and Michelle was able to get out of it. And there was also the arm bar right at the end of the the fight. That yeah, I that one if I thought it had been an extra fifteen seconds. That fight would have been over for a different reason. Yeah, I I I, uh, I agree with that. So uh, I'm just gonna mention this real quick. There was a rumor. I put it in the WhatsApp chat we have as a group here, uh, like a week or two ago. And I'm only bringing this up because. 
there was a part of it that was interesting where they said that uh, the thing was UFC is going to sign a TV deal with a combination of ESPN and NBC. Um, there's only going to be six pay-per-views. By the way, that's the part where all of us thought it was bullshit. Uh, there's only going to be six pay-per-views. The relevant part was they wanted to add a 105-pound weight class, and they were also going to add 165 pounds for men. Put that part of it aside. Man, they got some small straw weights. I wouldn't... I, I, I don't, I'm not in a world where 145 is a fucking weight class. You know, you know, the, just saying. Uh, the 160 for the men, that might not make much sense because that would mean a rejiggering. 165. Of, or, the 165 doesn't make much sense because that would mean a rejiggering of, let's say, the 170 and 155. But I think they would, I think with that one, they'd have to make it 175 and then like, just every 10 pounds. Yeah, that would make uh, yeah. more sense. But with the 105, that just seems perfect because they could do the time-honored tradition of just raiding the, the other organization's uh, weight class and just bring them all over to the UFC. So it wouldn't be like the women's 145 position pound um, division where there isn't much talent. There is a fair amount of talent in the 105 division that's already in Invicta, and there would be, I think, a bunch of girls that are in the 115 division in the UFC that would want to drop down to 105, like the aforementioned Michelle Watterson. It's a fair point. Uh, all right. Uh, before we move on from this card, uh, I'm just going to mention something that was relevant to me um, and probably to the UFC. Luke Sanders got a win, and Luke Sanders to, uh, is also Mr. Becky Lynch, who's a famous wrestler. And the UFC Twitter account fucking loves Becky Lynch. Because she shows up for her boyfriend's fights, and there's like eight people in the arena, and they're able to get people hyped for fight pass, and she was losing her damn mind. She was there with Dolph Ziggler to watch Luke Sanders' fight, so him getting wins wouldn't hurt having somebody famous as his, uh, as his girlfriend. Uh, and Brad Tavares got a knockout, which I feel I haven't seen Brad Tavares finish anybody ever, honestly. Uh, Marcus, was there anything that stuck out to you? Uh, a boach losing, disappointing, right? Oh, we have to talk about that? My man Barbarian just goes out there and gets wrecked. Just, just had to mention it. And then Okami got a win. So, you know, there's pros and cons, yin and yang to everything, I suppose. You know, uh, Gilbert Burns, um, we kind of, we treat him as, uh, I always kind of mix him up with that, uh, what's the name of the guy who always has boring fights? He's been around forever. He got busted for steroids. Uh, T-Bow? T-Bow. I, I always, I mean, this is like, I always mix Burns. I was like, assume Burns is like the new T-Bow. And I might be convincing him up with the, convincing, uh, messing him up with another guy, but Burns getting a knockout just seems unusual to me. Okay, he's got two in a row. I shut up. Never mind. I'm talking about somebody else. Um, let's talk about, um, a little bit of news this week before we do our picks for next week. Uh, UFC is booked UFC 225, uh, which is in Chicago on June 9th. On a level that it makes me wonder if they either, one, don't know how many fights they put on this card or how many good fights, or two, they have just decided to cover their ass on a level for canceled fights that we've never seen. Because just to give you an idea, the fight, let me just call, let me ignore the first two fights on Fight Pass and start going up the line from the Fight Pass main event. The Fight Pass main event is Ricardo Lamas. Ricardo Lamas, title contender from Chicago, Ricardo Lamas, taking on a uh, prospect, prospect, bit of a super prospect, um, despite his loss to uh, Darren Elkins back there, 
uh, Mursad Bektik. That's on this card. Now we go to Fox Sports 1. Rashad Evans, Anthony Smith taking out against each other. We know Rashad's old. Rashad Evans is a fucking former champion, though. Moving to 205, too. Move, moving back to 205. We like that. Uh, Andre Arlovsky fighting Tai Tuvasa. Tai Tuvasa is a heavyweight prospect, a young kid who drank the fucking beer out of the shoe. Um, probably wants to be known for more than that. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And uh, we also have the next one, Claudia Gadelia versus Carla Esparza. That's a burner. That, that Come is, on, man. Damn good fight. Come on, guys. Come on. I mean, like, there we go. Now, here we go. The main event of the fight pad of the uh, Fox Sports 1 part, Joseph Benavidez versus Sergio Pettis, which there's almost no scenario where that's bad. Like, worst case, you're like, all right, I had a decent kickboxing bout between these two guys. It was a good time. That's worst case. Another title contender right there. Now we go to the pay-per-view. If I could sing, you'd hear me singing fucking CM Punk's entrance music right now. CM Punk against Mike Jackson. Don't feed me your bullshit about CM Punk that's not deserving to be in the UFC. We are three years past that conversation. Man, still a star. That's on pay-per-view. Next one. Alistar Overeem, Curtis Blades. Woo! Good one. Next one. Holly Holm, uh, Megan Anderson. I don't understand Megan Anderson not just fighting for the belt immediately. But still, this is a big fucking fight. Really big fucking fight. Here think, we go. I think it's because Dana really loves Holly Holm. I think he she really wants him to get a title. All right. Here, there we go. The two title fights. This one could suck. But still, title fight. Rafael Dos Anjos versus Colby Covington for a fake-ass welterweight championship. Uh, main event. Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero. If I lived anywhere near Chicago... It wouldn't even be a fucking question. I would find a way to go to this shit. I mean, Mike, damn, right? Like, I'm sitting here wondering if I got to get fight pass so I can watch Ricardo Lamas versus Mursad Bektik. That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that uh, that prelim card in itself could be a main card. It's pretty damn good. If you put a title fight on top of that Fox Sports 1 card and told me it was a pay-per-view, I'd be like, okay, How about that's that, fine. How about that fake-ass welterweight title? Still, you give me that with a co-main event of all. You give me all those other fights, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, man, he's got my. Girl I, would, I, I don't. I don't. Here. It's not bad. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they would sell anything. But fuck, I. That sounds. I mean, Marcus, you yeah. can pretty much put every fight after the second one. You can put in any order, up until like you know those two scrub fights on Fight Pass. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think one probably trying to hedge their bets, right? Like you just come off a big. Because I mean, uh, what was the one we just had? Two twenty three. 223 was a lot like this card, right? Like, just head mm. head from toe, just good shit. And then you get a Conor McGregor in there, and you lose, you know, nine fighters, and who knows? So Still pretty good. It, yeah, they covered their ass well. It's in their best interest to really stack it. Um, And then my, my criticism, I mean, my criticism is just that, like, the Whitaker-Romero fight's a rematch that wasn't too long ago, and I think we talked about it. it that one doesn't get me too excited. And then Covington... RDA doesn't really get me super excited, but the belts being on the line is exciting, and that makes those matchups, which don't have a lot of you know sizzle for me personally, um, still make them intriguing, right? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of stakes on the line here, and then the rest of the card is just name value with interesting matchups, and even you got CM Punk. And what I like about the CM Punk is the fight is that he's fighting someone on his level, right? Other dude has one fight, he lost to the same guy. They have a common opponent, which is the only other guy they ever fought. They both got smoked from Mickey Gall. So maybe, like we talked about weeks weeks past when this was first kind of coming to fruition, that maybe CM Punk 
has a dance partner here that he can tangle with a little bit longer, right? And that's kind of intriguing. That's what I want to see in a CM Punk fight. I don't need to see him get smashed. I already saw that. I already knew that was going to happen. I want to see when he fights someone who is on his level. And actually, let's see this dude get into the second and third round and see how he looks and get to test his metal a little bit. Because I think that's what we all want to see is what does CM Punk really have as an MMA fighter? Yeah, uh, I just think it's impressive he's still here, to be honest, because I really can't emphasize enough how much this man would be loved working one independent date a month, once every two months. Because let me tell you, as much, if not more money than he is doing. Because let me tell you, if he loses this fight, you will see him on September 1st in Chicago at the All In event, which is a whole different side thing. But you will see him, like he will go back and he will be loved on a level because MMA fans are being real dicks about this. And I don't think it's his fault, any of it, to be honest. Like, he's just trying to win. And he hasn't said anything about being better than anybody. He's just trying to do this. He's just, you know what? Maybe he shouldn't have gone straight to the UFC, but he's just doing his thing. And we've had this conversation 40 times, so we can move on. Uh, let's do our picks um, for this fight night card that is this weekend. It, I believe this is on Fox Sports 1, right? Hopefully. You're it's right. on Fight Pass. I'm, I'm a little upset. It's on Fight Fox Sports yep. 1? Okay. Because uh, this is not bad. I'm uh, I'm digging this card. Um Six fight main card is weird. I don't like that they do a six fight main card that starts at seven p.m. Uh, oh, but this is one of those. Crap. This is one of those fight. This is one of those fight cards, Mark, that I was talking about when I told you they're gonna run over. This shit is not gonna end before eleven p.m. our time. Yeah, that's so, fair. I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, my old ass is not gonna be able to stay up to watch probably Kevin Lee fight. Mike, I have fall. I have fallen asleep for these cards myself, and I'm three hours ahead of you. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I got no you. Blame. <laughs> Yeah, no, no shame here. Um, let's make some picks here. Kevin Lee, Edson Barboza, uh, both coming off of. Did we check Edson Barboza's coming off of that Khabib loss, right? Yep, yep. Or do you lose again? No. That okay, was his last one. Uh, what is our betting line for this card or this fight? Uh, Edson Barboza is a plus one twenty five underdog. Kevin Lee is a minus one forty five favorite. I think they're both. This God, I love this weight class. Like this is not just like diminish any. When I pick, when we pick these fights, we can't even diminish either guy. This is, they're both excellent, and um, I just think I got Kevin Lee getting on top of Edson Barboza and doing his thing, man. Um, assuming it's not some crazy weight cut, I got Kevin Lee going in there. He put Tony on his ass. He was beating him up. I think he can do the same to Edson. Edson's gotten way better at his takedown defense. Um, he's working with Frankie Edgar all the damn time. He moved to New Jersey to do be a part of that camp. And it shows he's a top five fighter. They both are. But I, I just think at this point, Kevin Lee, I'm going Kevin Lee getting it done here. Uh, Mike, you're keeping track of these, right? Yes, um, I am. We got, uh, we got Steph also picking Kevin Lee, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think we know where we're going here, Mike. You got Kevin Lee too? <laughs> yeah, I I do. Um, you can't base uh, Barboza's improved wrestling defense based off his last fight because, well, look who he fought. So he has gotten a lot better at that, but... I still think that Kevin Lee still has enough of the goods to dictate where this fight's going to go, which is probably going to be the floor for him. And um, I don't think this fight's going to be standing very, very long um, in any of the rounds. So I'm picking Lee. Marcus, uh, you gave your spoiler alert, but you got Edson Barboza. You think he's going to be able to avoid the takedowns and get off his shots? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just I still haven't really got over Kevin Lee being the top tier guy that he, he apparently is right um and i guess i don't remember the tony ferguson fight super well but 
I, I feel like you guys are probably right. Kevin Lee probably is going to be able to take him down, beat him up. And we, and we kind of saw in the um, uh, Habib fight, Edson kind of breaks a little bit, you know, when he gets beat up and he's not getting his, his strikes off. I guess I'm going with Edson because I do look at his record and maybe these wrestlers he fought aren't quite the caliber of Kevin Lee. They probably really aren't. But he, he's fought a number of wrestlers and done pretty well. You know, he beat uh, he had that great knockout of Darush. He beat Melendez, who goes back to wrestling every now and then. He beat Bobby Green, uh, Evan Dunham, who's really getting a lot of stuff done, Danny Castile. So him fighting an archetype of a strong wrestler isn't something new. Kevin Lee, probably too young, too strong for him to be able to really dictate the matchup and stand up with him. But I don't know. I'm still going with Barboza. Probably a bad pick. Probably why I'm, my claim to the number one spot is already being threatened and about to be overtaken. But uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, I feel we haven't been picking a bunch of the same shit, all of us, and we still are pretty much at the same area. Our record wise. is crazy close. We're all like... I think it's just like we as a we just as a group are capable of getting like 60% of this shit right. <laughs> like, basically. Uh, co-main event, Frankie Edgar, Cup Swanson. Um, we saw this fight like two years ago, and Frankie Edgar just wore out Cup Swanson, put him away with that... Was it a neck crank at the end of the fight, if I'm not mistaken something like that i felt it was not that long ago but he got him it was a five round ass whooping ended with a where is this shit yeah i can't you even got, find you it a neck crank neck crank how do i can't how come i can't find this neck crank it's about four years three and a half years ago man look this is the entire conversation you need to have with yourself is frankie edgar fought five weeks ago right or some shit like that yeah. and he got knocked the fuck out and Cub Swanson can knock you, can can ruin your shit. Cub Swanson can knock you, can one hit or quitter you if he needs to. The first one was so dominant. I'm gonna agree with Stefan. I'm gonna take Frankie Edgar here. Marcus, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going with Frankie too. But I think those kind of comparisons that you draw that he just got knocked out by Brian Ortega. And if you would have asked me, is who's the better striker, Cub or Brian Ortega? I would have said Cub. Uh, but I guess I'm trying not to make the same mistake I made with Frankie and Aldo, right? Like we saw this. Yeah, that's I, that was part of it for me too. Where I'm like, we saw this where he fought a guy he already fought, and then we all picked against it. I'm not doing that. Yeah, so I, I am going with Edgar, but I I think kind of the question mark is like, how is Frankie doing? He there's already all these question marks of is he on the way out, and now he's just taking these fights. He's turning around so fast because he wants to get back in the win column. I don't, it seems kind of de detrimental, right, to, to his own, you know, why not take some time off and just kind of recalculate everything? He seems to be really gung-ho about correcting what he did wrong in his last couple of fights, which I think might just lead to more errors. But I'm going with Edgar because it's the safe bet, right? I'm comfortable. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm just looking at Frankie's fighting career, and it looks like he doesn't normally turn around any sooner than, like, four months and a long time. So, Mike, I don't know, man. What do you think? <laughs> Who you pick in this fight depends on what type of history do you value more in this case. Do you value long-term history where we saw Frankie absolutely destroy Cub Swanson? Or do you value what happened in the short term where Frankie Edgar got knocked the hell out and he's fighting five weeks later where we've seen recent history where Michael Bisping tried doing that and that didn't work out too well. Um, that was a pretty good ass whooping Frankie gave him though the first time. So for my case, I'm going to favor more the long-term history.
I mean, they fought for 24 minutes and 56 seconds, and Frankie won 24 minutes and 56 seconds of the fight. So, it's not, you know, we're not out of line here, folks. It was not that close. Uh, it was actually not boring for one man kicking the other man's ass for that long, by the way. Frankie just put it on him. Uh, okay, um, what's the next fight I said we're picking? David Branch and Santos. David Branch, Tiago Santos. Um, we actually have a betting line for this, which we didn't have earlier this morning. Uh, what's our betting line? It is um, Santos is a negative 230 underdog. I mean, uh, favorite, sorry. Fucking really? Yeah. Oh man, he does not lose. He's coming off the wins. He's, he's got a. He's finishing. He's finishing everybody. Uh, I don't have a. You know what? That's an. He's got four straight straight knockouts. Before that, he beats. He lost to some dude named Eric Spicely. He doesn't give me a lot of confidence. David Branch, wasn't he gonna fight somebody? Oh, he lost his fight. I think his last fight point was the, uh, what, last September against. Um, yeah. Rockhold. Yeah, that one. He uh, he also tagged him. This one's I don't like this because I'm not comfortable with this pick at all. But I'm gonna take Santos. But dude won a lot of fights in a row. He got better. But I'm I'm Tiago Santos is smoking fools. He's on a run. I'm taking Tiago Santos. Mark. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with Branch. I feel like the guys he loses to, which he hasn't lost. I mean, this is a really tough fight. Uh, quite honestly, he hasn't lost to a lot of guys, and you know the dudes that he has lost to are really top tier. Doesn't mean Santos isn't of that caliber, but I look at the guys he just beat and they're not really, you know, a killer's row. So I'm going to go with David Branch. I think he's been fighting a little bit higher competition, but a really tough fight to call. Mike. David Branch was the world series of fighting champion, but um, while his level of competition might have been a little higher than uh, Santos, I don't think it was that much higher. And Santos has just looked more impressive against his recent competition. So I'm picking Santos. How old is Santos? I feel because we, we. I know I've seen him fight live. He's 34. I don't like that. Um, David Branch is old as shit, though. Don't imagine. Right? I mean, I, Branch is younger. 36. 36. Yeah. That's actually younger than I thought David Branch was. David Branch was, to be honest. Uh, he's been doing this a while. I. This is a tough one, man. I'm interested. I'm really interested to see what happens here. And uh, we got to give whoever wins this fight. Um, he. They're right up there, probably. You know. Cracking that top seven. I don't know what the rankings are now. I had them on up earlier, but they're both probably up there in this middleweight division, which shit's just nutty. Uh, Aljamain Sterling. What did Mike pick? Mike, who does Stefan pick for that one? He picked Aljo. No, I'm not that one. The Santos fight. He picked uh, Santos. So three of us took Santos. Mark took Branch. Yeah. Mark, you're really going on an island with a lot of these picks tonight. I mean, they're going to... Cement They're my close first placer. Go down, burn it in flames. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, Brett Johns. Um, Aljamain is a slight underdog in this one, right? Looks yeah. like. Um, Brett Johns doesn't lose fights. And I feel that's relevant. Gentleman does not lose any fights. And I feel Aljamain Sterling, while I like him quite a bit, he's not where I want him to be given how much I got to hear about him. And losing to Marlon Moraes, I'm taking Aljamain Sterling. I do not feel good about this because Brett Johns just finds a way to win. He's 15-0. He calf slicer Joe Soto, and that shit was cool as hell. Like, he did that in, like, it was, like, the first, like, 30, 40 seconds 30 of the fight. Seconds, yep. 
Yeah, that was nuts. Um, he gets a lot of decisions. He's a really good grappler. That's kind of what Aljo is. And I'm slowly talking myself out of this pick because I remember Aljamain Sterling trying to outgrapple Brian Caraway. It didn't go so well. Um, fuck it. I'm I've been waving this Aljamain flag for a while. He's gonna have to lose this, to, to lose this fight for me to give up. So I, I got Aljamain. Uh, Marcus. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with uh, Brett uh, Jones here, but not really. I don't really like taking these these guys. I'm not super familiar with. I obviously know uh, Aljamain a lot better. Um, so I'm kind of going on a limb, but like you said, Bob, it's kind of tough. The dude literally hasn't lost, and he just his last fight was a 30 second super rare calf slicer submission. So it seems like he knows his p's and q's on the ground. So I think it'll be an interesting grappling match. Um, and I, I'm just hedging my bets on the younger prospect getting it done. So we'll see. Yeah, I almost feel like with Algermain and like uh, uh, Ally Quinta and uh, what's that other dude? Eddie Ed Truck Jordan. Eddie Truck Jordan. Remember that guy? Um, there was like this whole wave after Weidman won the belt where we realized we got to pay attention to this camp. And while they're all good, I mean, Eddie Truck Gordon, I think, got him washed out. But, like, I wonder if they all got, like, a bit more attention because of Weidman. Yeah, might be fair. You know? But they're all good. I mean, I don't know. Al, I mean, Al Quinta just fought for the belt. And he was, even if he, I know it was short notice, but Al's, like, top seven, yeah. too. So, I don't know. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I think for a lot of the reasons you said earlier about Al Jermaine, um, he's always been this guy that I think is a bigger name in the division than his, uh, I think, record uh, should indicate. So, Brett Johns, he's looked really good. Um, I think he's actually been delivering um, more than Al Jermaine, even though I think Al Jermaine's fought some some better competition. But um, I'm kind of done always picking Al Jermaine in his fights and uh, hoping he'll win. So I'm going to go with the young guy with Mark. I'm going with Johns. This is uh this is another tough one to call. There's some uh, other good fights on this card worth mentioning. Uh, Chase Sherman, probably best known for his memes on Twitter, he's fighting. But I haven't found a Jim Miller fight I didn't enjoy yet. He's fighting Dan Hooker, uh, Alex Garcia, Ryan Lafleur, Sire Baharazada. I feel fights once in a blue moon is on this card. Uh, Corey, formerly Beaston twenty five eight, is fighting Pat Cummins which I think Corey Anderson... I mean, you know it's a Pat Cummins fight, Marcus, so you know either Pat Cummins is going to wear this guy around the octagon or Pat Cummins is going to get knocked the fuck out. Yeah, I think that's a tough one to call, too. Yeah, um, and shout-out, as always, to Leslie Smith fighting her, Cajun Johnson, Ally Quinta, fighting a good fight on behalf of fighter rights. Um, I always think that she's one fight away from getting cut, but shit, she's won two in a row. I love Leslie Smith. If... Leslie Smith was a religion. All the fighters should convert to that. She's the best. So she's fighting Aspen Ladd, who I... That name sounds familiar. I feel we've seen her fight before, maybe, or at least... Yeah, it does ring yeah, a bell. Yeah, she, she fought Lena Lansbury. She's got... She's 6-0. and oh, She's 23 years old. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't, I'm a little worried for Leslie Smith now. Anyway, um, let's do Memoirs of a Fight Fan, stuff we like, because we're already an hour into this thing. Uh, Memoirs of a Fight Fan. Stefan put it out there last week. We we're going to get grim. It was uh, going to be what is the worst outside of the cage thing to ever happen. And let's go the UFC or a fighter we recognize. Let's go with that. Um, I'm going to give Stefan's and God, Joe Son's Wikipedia page is his goddamn mugshot. 
Fuck me. Uh, Joe Son, um, who you, if you're an MMA fan, maybe you don't know who he is. He fought in the first couple UFCs. He's mostly known for getting his dick punched in. That one famous clip of a guy just getting punched in the nards over and over again. That was Joe Son's nards. Was, I said nards. Just probably also the smallest man to carry the largest crucifix in the world. Yeah, yeah. He was carrying uh, Kimo's crucifix, right? I mean. Kimo is a huge muscle bound man, and it looked like he struggled to carry this like literal like <laughs> this looked like it was historically accurate crucifix. I don't think Jesus yeah, carries own yeah, crucifix. Yeah, it looked like Je- Jesus had a hard time carrying something that big. Yeah. So he won one UFC fight, he fought Keith Hackney, and he tapped out to groin strikes because Keith Hackney was making sure Joe Son or anybody else related to Joe Son wasn't gonna have any we, fucking kids. We didn't know it at the time, but Keith Hackney literally came from the future like fucking Terminator and was trying to change the course of history that Joe Son was already set upon. Spoiler alert. So check this. him in the dick enough, apparently. Yeah, so let's just talk about this. Uh, Joe Son, who you might know if you're not an MMA fan and don't recognize the name, if you remember the movie Austin Powers, he played Random Task, which was the ripoff of, not ripoff, the whole movie's a fucking homage, a uh, parody of uh, Oddjob from um, James Bond movies. Uh, random task would throw his shoe rather than his hat. Honestly, ah, who throws a that shoe? Was him. That was Honestly, him. who throws a shoe? All right, that was probably where you know him from yeah. most. Don't so get apparently, too attached, though. Don't, yeah. Don't get so too that was warm so. I just want to point that out. 1997, they put Joe Son in uh in that fucking uh in that movie. And uh, but apparently back in 1990, Joe Son and seven other people uh gang raped a lady in a car. Whoa. Yeah, that's Joe Son. Um, Shit turned quick. Yeah. Uh, did, he, did he kill her too, maybe? I think there might have there, yeah. there was some grim stuff in there. Yeah, repeatedly raped, uh, tortured and repeatedly raped the victim before releasing her with her pants tied around her eyes. That was 1990. Um, and then uh, when they finally convicted him of that, uh, he killed his cellmate. So he's, he's going to be in jail. He's still in jail? I thought he died in jail. No, he's still in jail. Joe Son's still in jail. That's where I got they gave it. They gave. They tacked on twenty-seven years to what uh, to his uh, other sentence, which yeah, uh, he was sentenced seven years to life in September two thousand eleven, and then they tacked on twenty-seven years. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. Joe Son happened, and then, like that wins. Like oh, step yeah. on one. Yeah, this is the won. this is the worst one. Like we're like John Jones with a fucking hit and run. Whatever. Like John Jones, fucking Conor McGregor almost blinds a motherfucker. Whatever. Like what. This dude murdered somebody. <laughs> like, like he I, he murdered somebody, and he him and his buddies <laughs> gang raped another. Like, like Jesus Christ! Yeah. Do we? Have, I think Stefan might have broke memoirs of a fight fan. We, He's not even here for it. To be honest, Bob, maybe, we should have. Maybe some, we should have left that one last. Yep. That's yeah. We should have done some. I was gonna say, I got nothing. I got, I got nothing. That's it, man. I'm done. Anybody got? We just let it go. I mean, like, I, mean <laughs> I, I have one, but it's not that. Nothing is. Nothing is. Yeah, Rampage went on a monster monster truck rally. Oh, like what? That's that. that's a good one. That, yeah, that was that wasn't even that bad. <laughs> like they tried to say he caused somebody lady to miscarry. That's not what happened. Apparently, that did not cause that. So he literally, you know, Chuck Liddell showed up on the news, all fucking <laughs> that was funny. Drugged out of his mind. Like Tito can't speak English. Like there's nothing like I can't even think of. Like I mean, there's been some shit. I mean, there was. This is MMA. You find some independent show. There was a neo-Nazi. You know what? War Machine. There you go. War Machine's pretty bad. War Machine. War Machine's terrible. War Machine, uh, former Bellator UFC fighter. But uh, I thought it was Uh, just supposed to be outside of the UFC. 
Right, was there? Or, he wasn't was MMA in general. Well, he wasn't the UFC. I think oh, we, MMA in general. You know, a war, a war machine. War Machine, he uh, raped and nearly killed uh, Christy Mack, the porn star who was his ex-girlfriend. And then, like, he beat the crap out of She was fucking... If you want to... God, this is just ruining my day. Yeah, he ruined her. Yeah, that was... He ruined her. She, she had, like, 19 different kinds of plastic surgery to fix her face. He's a fucking monster. Um, didn't he hang himself? Or is he in jail? What I th- happened there? I think he tried to kill himself when he was, like, on trial, but it didn't take or whatever like he didn't succeed and i think he's just yeah i remember he was on the run did he kill himself or not no he's just he tried he tried but he yeah he'll try harder he should probably try harder um there we go man we got a couple rapists (laughs) and a murderer (laughs) and a murderer one guy's a murderer too and fucking the other dude tried and war machine tried and mike you had one though what'd you have yeah mike what kind of misdemeanor do you have (laughs) i mean I feel like I'm a comic who has to follow Richard Pryor. I mean, this isn't going to end well. Oh no, we know. Well, now we're just we're just getting it out there. All right. Well, I guess there's no pressure for mine to be any good. But um, so mine um, it wasn't a fighter per se, but it was someone connected to um MMA pretty well. It's uh something Dana White did, and for me it was more a I think either. Because of this action, it was a crystallization of something that had been going on, and we finally realized it, and it's been going on since. And that was the cancellation of UFC 151. Um, If you guys don't remember, that was originally supposed to be John Jones versus Dan Henderson when his old ass went on a surprising winning streak. And uh, he got injured maybe about, I think, two weeks before the fight, I want to say. and. You know, uh, the event basically had to be canceled, according to Dana White. Um, He tried playing it off as this was all John Jones and Greg Jackson's fight. But when you looked at the actual main card that was 151, it was, I think, one of the first times people realized, wow, this is an extremely thin card that was just being held up by the championship fight of John Jones. And... You know, I think this was right around the time that the UFC, they, you know, they started uh, having a lot more cards and the cards started to get much thinner. And this was one of the first times that it was like, holy shit, how are we going to have people pay $50, $60 for this card? I mean, let's get to the fucking thing here, man. He put this all all around Greg Jackson and John Jones's neck that they didn't want to take on a different opponent on like a week's notice. And I remember that podcast. We roasted John Jones. We did because we didn't know better. Because this was a, honestly, there was a whole stretch where we would all we all would kind of take Dana's word for it in general. And we're at the point now where it's like the complete opposite. So, yeah, this I mean, poor Mike tried to go with like a real answer about how well, something that affected no. the sport. We went with fucking. We went. We went straight to the goddamn capital capital I crime. Say something though, hmm. Mike. We might need to have a parent-teacher conference because <laughs> there's another memoir that that was not criminal. That was a shitty thing, but that was not criminal. Wait a thing. second. Wait a second. <laughs> we didn't say criminal. We just said the worst things that happen outside the case. Yeah. Mm, I don't All know. Right. I might no want this parent-teacher Granted, this one pales in comparison where it's like well, me and Mark, like, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up fucking the nuclear attacks on fucking Hiroshima and goddamn Mike's just like, Hey man, somebody got a slingshot and dinged on the motherfucker in the eye. Like that's, that's the comparison. I might, I might need to be writing Mr. something. Paris, I think mm-hmm. you need to check the syllabus. 
All right, before you go in for the parent teacher conference. I might need to write right. a note on the report card. Puts in good work, doesn't follow instruction <laughs> as strongly. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was. Like, I love, we have like a little narrative about this. Um, let's do stuff we like and get out of here. Um, I started watching Westworld. Good move. Um, yeah. I dug it. It's pretty good. Uh, don't really know what they're really, I think I'm on like four or five. Okay. Maybe I don't like that. know uh, when it gets better or if it does, but I think it it's just, I got it. I got what's going on. You know, like it's, you know, Ed Harris is a real dick. He's the old man in black, but like I would, I like him. I mean, I don't think you're. It doesn't sound like you're going to drop off, but definitely see it all the way through because there's some twists and turns that really. Yeah, I know. I uh, stuff, so it's uh, it's pretty cool. I'm I'm enjoying it. Um. So yeah, and then I just want to say uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine might get canceled, and I hope people are watching Brooklyn Nine Nine because I know I dropped. It's off. it's uh it's really excellent. Like it's maybe like it's really really good. I think they're doing well enough to get they made it to syndication now, so everybody's getting paid. But Didn't I watched the episode awards too. Didn't they win like a? Yeah, Golden Andy. Globe? Andy won a Golden Globe. They won a Golden Globe the first year. It's a really, honestly, a really good show. It may be it's probably the best sitcom on network television. Um, and I watched the double header this from. I don't like it when there's double headers, you know, and for a show for no reason. That sounds like you're trying to burn. You're trying to burn. It sounds like you're trying to burn off episodes. Mm. It wasn't like a double like that. It was oh, like two okay. different. It wasn't distinct episodes. It was like we we got to get these out there. Yeah, and I just think there's a really good show. And if you're not watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, don't, don't try to get caught. They won't. This is the type of shit, man. They don't put their shows on uh Sony net Sony Television or like Fox won't put their shows on Netflix anymore. So that's how it helps these shows out. You go, you put Brooklyn Nine Nine on Netflix, it'd be great. But yeah, that's it. That's all I got, Mike. Um, yeah. So for me, I may have probably said this one a long, long time ago, but you know what? It bears saying again. So I went to Utah this uh, this past weekend, and I discovered that Salt Lake City has an In and Out. And I was extremely <laughs> excited about it. And I made my nephews take me to In-N-Out before I uh, left to the airport. So... What was it? One second, just to cut in. Mark, you weren't with... Uh, you weren't in Vegas the last time we went. And I took Mike to In-N-Out. But there was a look of satisfaction on this man's face for his four of his $6 meal that was unmatched by the other $50, $60 meals we had paid for the rest okay, of this so fucking trip. This this <laughs> outing was not your first time either. Like, you've been in and out. You knew what you were getting into. Oh, still. oh yeah. That's why I say I've probably said in and out before as a stuff we like. And I think I've made my love for in and out um, said before. But damn it, it's something that deserves to be said twice. It is good. It is a damn good burger. You, you get the double-double, right? Um... I had just eaten not too long ago at that time, and I didn't okay. want to go into a flight just, you know, full of uh, of, of meat and, and milkshake. Okay. So I got the fries animal style. I got a single and a vanilla milkshake. Yeah, okay. That sounds like more than enough, man. You could have gone double-double and held back on the other one. <laughs> I mean, if you got regular fries and, like, a single, I'd be like, all right. But you get, you get Well, you know what I think is fucking – you're getting on a flight. I remember this because the first time I had uh, Five Guys – which is a radically different experience than In-N-Out on your body, I feel. <laughs> Given what it is. Different but similar. I had, but yeah, similar. I know. I had it at uh, D.C. Airport, Washington, D.C. Probably Airport. I was waiting good. on a flight to Syracuse. No, it was, I called, um, 
I called uh, Mike and I's roommate, Sal, at the time, was our roommate. I called Sal, said, Sal, what do I get from this place? And Sal told me, get the double this and that with the fries. And like, I ate fucking five guys, which is just, I feel about 7,000 calories. And I just sat on that flight from DC to Syracuse, like a beached fucking whale, wanting to die. Like, oh my God, take me home, please. <laughs> please take me home. <laughs> so yeah, in and out's a little lighter and fucking excellent. But Mike, you say you hold back, but then you get animal stuff. Once you got the animal style fries, I'm like, well, that, out the that's, that, there you go. I, and then you got the milkshake. I'm like, oh, sure. I, I also enjoy that they pay uh, starting $11 an hour. Oh, the- yeah. You make bank, but you see those kids, Mike, they be fucking working. This ain't like Starbucks where you're slacking around when there's off. There's no off time and in and out. You were chopping fucking potatoes from five to eight. Your whole shift, you were chopping shit up. Yeah, uh, we had a friend who used to work there, and I remember just like he used to make fries, and we were just sat, we were eating there, and I was just watching. Stefan was with me, and we were just watching him do his thing, and I just turned to Stefan. I'm like, "Yo, this fucking sucks. Like, it looks like that's just way too much." I work. mean, In and Out has windows all throughout the kitchen, so when you go through the drive-through, you see a good like 15 people fucking working. Like they're not. There's no chit chat going on. This dude is chopping up potatoes like it's no one's business. Yeah, people are like, you got to add bacon. I'm like, there's no room for the man to make bacon. There's no room. There's too many things going on. They're chopping but, lettuce. You know, they're making like potatoes. Said, you know, they earn a good paycheck. They get paid well. You know, not a bad place to work if you're, you know, in between big gigs. Yeah, and he's Mike's at 11 bucks. I think in California, oh, it's probably like closer to like 12 or 13 because like the minimum wage is almost 10, 11 yeah, bucks yeah. here. Minimum wage is 11 bucks for most uh, companies here right now. So, yeah, just way more yep. for in and out uh, Mark, um... What do you got this week? Yeah, I got some good stuff. Um, big video game week this week. Uh, when you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, Yakuza 6 is coming out. Uh, I've been a big fan of the Yakuza series. It kind of was a spinoff of uh, the Shenmue series, which I was also a really big fan of back in the Dreamcast days. But what's cool is, uh, Mike, do you remember when you took us to the Samurai Museum? Uh, I took like six people to the Samurai Museum. But yes, I do but remember when you know, I said you know what, what is that area called? It starts with a K, right? Uh, Kabukicho. Kabukicho. So the Yakuza series always takes place there, which was so cool. I didn't know we were going there. When we were walking to the Samurai, I was like, these fucking streets look weirdly familiar. Like, this is strangely odd that I'm familiar with a place in Japan. But yeah, basically Yakuza, the video games take place there. And uh, the series has been going on since the PlayStation 2, but it wasn't until their last game, Yakuza 0, that really kind of got uh, the Western audience into the game. And uh, yeah, Yakuza uh, 6 looks really cool. Reviews came out about a month ago. It kind of is ranging in that eight eight 8.5 range. Um, and what's kind of tough is it's the sixth uh, part of the series, but you still can jump into the sixth one. In the beginning of all the Yakuza games, they have extremely extensive videos you can watch that kind of catch you up on everything that's gone on. Um, and it's kind of a third-person, open-world, beat-em-up RPG. Uh, and what's really cool is you get into these street fights with all these thugs. And what I really like about this game, you basically can actually fight on the streets. And if there's a convenience store nearby, you can actually go into the convenience store and then fight in there and just wreck shit. It looks really cool. Uh, yeah, so Yakuza 6 is a big game coming out this week. But even bigger than that, on Friday... Um, our beloved Weed Holiday 420, uh, the new God of War game comes out, and reviews for that game actually came out last Thursday, and I expected it to be pretty good, and the reviews are even that much better than I was anticipating. Um, it looks like this 
this kind of soft reboot of God of War is really going for a more narrative driven story. Uh, the camera is actually closer to the character behind the shoulder kind of camera uh, where the other one was kind of isometric, kind of isometric um, camera pulled out a little bit more. And what's cool about this one, um, the original God of War took place in Greek mythology. And basically his whole arc was that uh, the gods can like fucked him over and he ended up killing his family and he's just getting revenge. He went through and killed all the gods in Greek mythology. And now he's kind of laying low in North mythology and they're like trying to dig him up or some shit. He has a kid that basically is kind of your companion. And I guess the story is basically his new wife has passed away and her last um, request is that he like throws her ashes off the tallest mountain or some shit like that. Um, but what's cool is basically he has a new weapon in the original Gods of War. He had these chains of Olympus, which were these two blades that were attached to change. And he would throw them out and do all these crazy fucking combos and shit. And now he just has this uh, Levi Leviathan axe. And what's cool about it, it is that it's very much like Mjolnir from a Marvel where you can actually throw it and it will like either stick on opponents or just hit them. And then you can call it back and it just uh, teleports back to your hand. And it just it the game looks really cool. Obviously, the narrative component has been kind of kept under wraps with the reviews, not really divulging too much, but uh, really excited for that one. And then lastly, I did want to mention Steph mentioned it last week. I saw it this weekend. Um, me and my fiance, Christine saw a quiet place and i can just kind of confirm what stefan said it's a really good kind of post-apocalyptic creature kind of flick it kind of reminded me a little bit like of the mist you're basically trying to understand what happened what are these weird creatures and then what i kind of like about in this movie with a lot of the kind of monster movies a lot of times you don't really get a good feel or get to see like what the monster is and this movie really doesn't do that shit. You see this fucking thing up close in all of its disgusting glory. And uh, yeah, it was just... And I guess the other thing I wanted to mention, which I usually don't put too much emphasis on, is that if you're interested in this flick at all, I highly recommend seeing it in theaters. Uh, not because the screen needs to be so big or there's so much special effects, you need to have it on a big screen. It's really the sound quality because the whole premise of this movie is that everyone's staying completely silent and while the movie's not silent all the time, there's a lot of atmospheric um, kind of uh, background noise. They play with the audio in interesting ways. One of the characters is deaf. So when you kind of go into their perspective, there's no sound. There's no ambient sound at all. And when you go back into other people's perspective, there's ambient sound. You can kind of hear kind of like the rustling of the wind or whatever. And I would say that it's worth seeing it in theaters so you get that full impact. Because I think if I watch this at home, the stuff they were doing with the audio just wouldn't have hit as hard as it did in the theater. And obviously when there's a loud sound, I mean, I don't remember being in a theater where the bass fucking thumped as hard in this movie. Like when there was a loud sound, the whole room fucking shook. It almost seemed like a special effect, like in the theater or something. So yeah, and it was just a really fun flick, you know, it, it, nice 90 minute in and out. Good story. Keeps you on the edge of the seat. You're over, you're done with it. It kind of wraps up nicely. And uh, yeah, it was cool. It was a good flick. I definitely recommend it. Man, back to your God of War thing. I've never played any of those games. Really? They're cool. They're good. I, I like the whole yeah, series, I and I think it's smart that they're changing it. Um, one of the knocks on the old God of War games is that Kratos, the character you play as, is like paper thin dimensionally. Like this dude is just anytime you go to a cutscene, it's just him fucking yelling like, "Ares, I'm gonna fucking kill you!" And that was kind of the depth of his personality. And now in this game, he's a father. He seems like he's trying to get away from his rage and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see narratively 
not only what they do in North mythology, which I think is kind of cool that they're kind of switching up the kind of like play set that he's in. Um, but also the combat's completely changed. The camera angles change. I think one of the cool things that they're doing in this game is I guess the whole game is just one continuous shot. So there's no cutting for dramatic angles. The camera's behind you and then when they do a cutscene. It just pans around the characters, which I, from what I'm, what I'm told kind of gives the narrative cutscenes a little bit more oomph than it does when you're kind of cutting to these action shots and stuff like that. So it looks cool. You know, haven't played it. Don't know how it's going to be next week. I'll tell you how awesome it is when I get some hands on, but uh, yeah, it looks really cool. Really excited for it. I may, uh, I forgot to I tell may it. pick up that Yakuza I... 6 game. The Yakuza games are really cool, and 6 is really a fun one. I would also recommend uh, Yakuza 0. Um, they're both really cool. Uh, is, uh, wrong is the audio track in English or Japanese? I believe everything's Japanese with subtitles. Cool. Yeah, because interesting enough, the first time they did the first Yakuza game and brought it to the West, Sega went ham. And they're like, let's get a bunch of famous voice actors. I think like Alicia Dushku did a voice and like uh, Michael Madsen did a voice. And they really tried to Americanize it. And it just totally fell flat. No one gave a shit. And then from there, they kind of dropped importing, like basically uh, localizing and importing them to the West. Because like this market's just not there. Um, but there's obviously a really strong fan base here. And then when uh, Yakuza 0 came out a couple years ago, I think it, it exposed uh, the game to a lot of people that hadn't played it before. And it's just, it's a really kooky, fun game. And I think, I mean, especially if you've been in Japan, it really encompasses that kind of like city environment in the place that we were running around in, which I thought was really cool too. It was really, really weird and surreal to like walk around. I was like, fuck, I, I knew there was going to be a convenience store there. Why the fuck did I know that? And uh, yeah, it's because of the Yakuza games I played. So yeah, definitely recommend it. I forgot to tell you, I started playing um, Mad Max. Oh, yeah. Are you liking that one? I did like it. My biggest problem with the PS4 is that it's not the Nintendo Switch, I'm realizing. Yeah. Because I kind of – I like to I like to, I like to play shit in my hand and, like, have something on on the TV in the background. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean – And, like, I, 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 this just ruined my whole setup where I'm like, all right, I got, I'm playing the game. I need a laptop to because I it's 2018. I can't just do one thing. You want to multitask. I got to hear stuff. I need a multitask. I got to put my video game subtitles on. So I can, you know, sure. read that shit while I'm listening to whatever fucking thing I'm listening to. That's a lot of fun, though, man. You're right. Yeah. It, you know me well. It's kind of up your alley. And it gets, I really like the fighting in it. Um, It has the Batman kind of combat system. But the actual moves he does, it's like a combination of pro wrestling and MMA. Like, dudes either drop kicking some dude, doing big double legs or, like, German suplexes. I'm like, I dig this. Batman, he's doing these weird, like, flying palm strike and, like, weird karate kick. And it's like, who does this shit? Yeah, Overhand I'm right. still really early on. I'm still really into it, really early on into it. But I like to like, if, if any, if your car ever is fucked up, you just get out of the car and let the other guy come fix oh, your yeah, car. Oh yeah, your little, your little <laughs> canyon. Your little dude, the car's on fire. Go fix it, man. I'll be back. He'll get, he'll get um, all right, we'll be back next week, um, guys. Thank you all for listening. Um, I don't think there's a card to talk about. We have another bit of a stretch here, which is wonderful. Again. Get me excited for Amanda Nunes versus Raquel Pennington. And just a spoiler alert, you're going to hear me complain about the UFC not advertising the fact that they have a main event pay-per-view with two openly gay UFC fighters, which you can call it pandering, man, but this is the most like of all the sports to show that we're all cool with, you know, people who are, you know, gay or lesbian or trans or any of that stuff. This would be the sport you think people would have the biggest problem with it, and we really don't. Yeah. 
it's so no, really like let's maybe highlight that's kind of the problem. I swear to God, I remember the I remember the Brazilian uh, media was trying to hype it up. Like they're like, oh, you know, we got two UFC fighters fighting for a title, both openly gay, both are in relationships with other UFC fighters. I personally would have made Nina Ansar versus Tisha Torres the co-main event. Like, let's just, you know, yeah, let's just do this shit, guys. Like, I mean, uh, why not? That's just me, though. Household um, versus household. So you're going to hear me complain about that at least a few times. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to see a bell. I think Bellator has got something going on. I'm pretty sure they got an event going on that Mark and I talked about Ooh, going to. But just said, one, you know, that should be coming up. And I think that does that one have Fedor on it? Has has a weird actually no that's not going on actually no if it was the Fedor one we would have probably said let's go to this one the next Bellator card was oh, it like Bader and King Mo or something? it is no it is it it's April twenty we'll talk you know what next week we're gonna talk about well Bellator oh you know what we're gonna talk about Fedor versus Frank Mir and most importantly in the co-main event of this Bellator card Mark's guy Sam Cecilia back, is gonna fight. <laughs> <laughs> he went over to the window. we've been telling we've been telling you know Dylan Dennis is in there. Another, I've got a Gracie kid in there. You know, we got stuff. And we know, man, if if Sam Cecilia is on a card, Mark's got like 15 minutes of material oh, on yeah. Sam Cecilia's work. <laughs> All right, guys, um, we got to get out of here. I got to eat. And I got to walk the dog. And we started late. So just spoiler, just a behind, peek behind the curtain. So thank you all for listening. Um, as I mentioned, we'll be back next week. Until that time, peace out. And thanks for, thanks for everything. See ya. See ya.